Well, good morning, everybody. I am so excited to have an opportunity to speak to you uh, again today. I love having a chance to speak with you um, because it actually impacts my life just as, as much as my prayer and my hope is that it impacts yours. Um, we're going to continue today into our series called The Relational Toolbox. And whether you're a Christian or not, Pastor Rick said something that we could all agree with and we would all likely resonate with. Everyone has a toolbox. Everyone has a toolbox. We, we all have one. We've been collecting certain tools for the random jobs and tasks that we have to complete. And when we don't have the tool that we need, it's obvious that the job is much more difficult than it should be or it could have been in the first place. The same is true with relationships. As long as we've been doing relationship with other people, we've gathered tools that help us to deal with them well. That being said, some are dangerous, some are useful, some are difficult, some even come with instruction manuals, <laughs> some are all of the above. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this series is really helping me to better understand and sort out relationships in my life. It's been an amazing opportunity to hear the last two weeks, Pastor Rick and Pastor Peter have shared some really powerful messages that launched us well into this series. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. With relationships, though, hurt is sometimes inevitable, right? Hurt is sometimes inevitable. The reality is, is that it's just the truth. In relationships, when you care about someone, the, the chance of being hurt is really likely. Today, I've titled the message, Breaking Down Offense. The challenge is this. We need to look at ourselves before we can look to help other people. We need to look at ourselves before we can look to help other people. I have to be honest, this message is as much for me as it is for you today, which is why I love preaching. It's so convicting. So let's do this together this morning, okay? Let's do this together. First, I, I want to see who's in the room this morning. So who is married or has been married at any time? Okay, very good. Hello, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Who is dating or engaged? Anyone? Wow. Some exciting things. You still have time. <laughs> you still have time. Decisions need to be made, right? Um, people who wrote, uh, put your hands up again if you were dating or engaged. If you're engaged, leave your hand up. Okay, when, when are you, when's your wedding date? Wow, wow. That, next year? Wow, awesome. Everybody give it up. July 11th. This is your invitation. No. Don't. Don't go. Don't go unless you get an invitation. <laughs> How many people are single and available? Awesome. Okay, keep your hands up. Look around. This is the pool of people you have to choose from. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, wedding invites can be sent to Tyler at tfachurch.ca. If by chance you've dated someone with your hand up and it didn't go well, you can send complaints to Peter at tfachurch.ca. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking about relational journeys this week. And I think that we've got it messed up. As I was preparing, I felt convicted and, and challenged to help slightly adjust our understanding of what real love should look like in relationship. But in order to get there, we have to discuss conflict, being offended, offense. I'm warning you today, right off the bat, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been preparing me all week 
for this message. And I've realized areas in my own life that this certainly applies. So I, I simply ask, would you be open to the same this morning? Be open to the same this morning. So would you pray with me? Wow, God, what an opportunity to come together. To come together as a group of people who just want to know you better. So this morning, I pray that you would just speak. That your truth would resonate in our lives. And that we would learn what it looks like to have a healthy relationship. What it learns to look like to model our lives after you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I remember the day that I called my wife. We were just friends at the time. But I remember exactly when I called her to see if we could formally go out on a date. I remember the feeling in my stomach, the smell of the restaurant I was in, the look on my friend Sean's face as he was waiting to hear so eagerly whether she's finally said yes or not. I had known Elise for a while, knew what she was about, felt like I knew what was important to her. Now, for those of you who don't know me super well, I can get pretty excited about things. And I remember allowing my mind to think through all the future possibilities and all the future might bring. I wanted to know Elise, to experience life with her. Something in my heart told me that I loved her, really be before I even began dating her. Now, that's a popular, there's a popular order of events, specifically when it comes to relationships that we've been conditioned to know. Love, marriage, baby. Love, marriage, baby. But actually, in our culture, the structure often gets rearranged. Now, I'm not here to condemn anyone, so please do not hear that this morning. The reality, though, is that we would all agree that love doesn't often come naturally. Love doesn't come naturally. It doesn't always come first. I haven't walked up to many people in my life and just loved them immediately, right? The only person that happened with is my wife. And I acknowledge that, well, it's not normal. <laughs> I acknowledge that that's not probably normal. Now, in that order, marriage is often something we are conditioned to look forward to. We are conditioned to look forward to it. We see successful marriages and relationships around us. We sing the song from a young age, right? Like Mitch and Michaela sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Baby in a baby carriage, right? Sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. I had to finish the song. I had to finish it. You can't start that song and not finish it, right? Yeah. I, I told them I was going to use them. I didn't tell them that, though. It'd be really easy this morning to speak only to married people. It'd be really easy or soon to be married people. But I actually need to ad address singleness. This may be the most important time in your life. Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're supposed to do what? Love God. Love others. Love ourselves. Sorry, love God. Love ourselves. Love others. Isn't it true, though, that we actually often look to love others first to fulfill and complete our own deficiencies? Right? We, look, we look to others. Don't we trend toward looking for someone else to fulfill us rather than find fulfillment in who God says we are? I know so many people, so many, and you can probably think of three. <laughs> I know so many people who are infatuated 
with their significant other, yet struggle with their own identity. Think about that for a second. I know so many people who are infatuated, who their lives are all about the other person, yet struggle with their own identity. Doubt that's what you wanted, right? Doubt that's what you signed up for going into relationship. Check this out. Some of you need to hear this today. I believe this might resonate with you. Your singleness, your singleness may be the reason you're facing difficulty in relationship with others in your life currently. Your singleness may be the reason you're facing difficulty in relationship with others in your life currently. Wow. What I see is this, is that most people, most people have a goal. At some point in your life, likely, not always, the goal might be marriage or even to be in relationship. We learn this idea that if you don't have anybody, there's something wrong with you. You haven't settled down yet, you okay, right? Parents, sometimes you don't help the situation. Look what I did to Mitch and Michaela. Come on, get married. When are you having kids, right? Parents, I need grandkids, right? We say stuff like this that forces people to feel that somehow in our single state, we may not be enough. Somehow, we may not be enough. Now, I know this isn't always intentional. We certainly don't mean anything by it most of the time. God knows the desires of your heart. You were certainly made for community. You were. But singleness, the space where you are responsible for yourself, may be one of the most important seasons of your life. We rush this part. Young people, you rush this part. Those of you who are married or who have been married at some point, you probably rushed this too. We see the look of marriage, the, the pictures of marriage, but don't actually know what it takes. We don't actually know what it takes. This, the statistic, this is staggering, the statistic is that around 40% of marriages end in divorce. I didn't say 10%. Here's what's worse. The statistic doesn't change in Christian relationships. Four in 10 marriages end in divorce. Now, there are many reasons for this. In my family, I watched my amazing mom endure my father's lies and adultery. I know what this is like firsthand. My last intention, my last intention is to offend anyone who's been through a divorce or separation. But so many people go into marriage haphazardly. They go into marriage haphazardly. We are so sick of singleness, we think that marriage will solve our loneliness problem. We think that marriage will solve our loneliness problem. No, you are sick of you. You are sick of you. You think that with someone else, someone else to focus on, to love, to care about, you'll be better? It's easy to think that marriage is a place to figure out your relationship as well as your singleness. Wrong. <laughs> it's not true. We buy into the lie that figure out how to be married and who you are as a single person all at the same time. False. Doesn't work that way. So today we're talking about relationships of all kinds. Marriage. Leadership. Peer relationships. Dating. I believe this topic resonates with every kind. Every kind of relationship in our lives. Pastor Stephen Furtick uh, spoke an excellent message on this topic. He had a fantastic illustration um, for this message. And to help us understand today, I, I've used it. I, I hope that's okay. I'm going to show it to you today. Uh, and a lot of his ideas formed the foundation of my message this morning. It's powerful. 
In Matthew 5, Jesus begins with an idea that long before something happens in our lives, it happens in our hearts. Long before something happens in our lives, it happens in our, in our hearts. Matthew 5, 21, 22 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So, what does Raka mean? <laughs> No one goes around saying raka to anybody, right? I haven't heard that. But it's actually an Aramaic term for contempt. So it's the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. So it's that idea that that, that would be how you would speak to someone or how you would treat someone. In the, in the knowledge that what starts in the heart doesn't stay in the heart, we have to acknowledge how you can drastically influence relationships around you in a positive way, but also dangerously turn them sour just by how you impact them. I'm so easily offended, right? Some of you, would you agree? We're so easily offended. We get offended at the craziest things, and it's just so simple. Two days ago, Elisa and I celebrated our fourth year of marriage. We celebrated by taking a trip. Previous to that, we took some holidays to Disneyland, Disney World, rode the rides, saw the sights, stood in the lines, laughed harder than we've ever laughed. I wish I could explain to you how awesome my wife is. She's just the best. We had a fantastic holiday. We've lived in a number of homes, but I'll never forget shortly after getting married. I remember when Elise started bringing things over to our condo, moving in. I came home to my amazing father-in-law who's here today came home to my amazing father-in-law who was converting our bedroom closet, expanding the space, utilizing the right racking, making it the most ideal closet space in our home. I soon after discovered that I would not be partaking in this what limited closet space we had. Oh, I was a little, a little bothered, but nothing crazy. We moved on, or so I thought, until we moved into our next place. Closet space, Tyler, for sure, but in the spare bedroom. Our next place, some closet space, mostly in the spare bedroom. Our next place, we had a double walk-in. Woo! <laughs> it was awesome. Still had half of that. What? I don't know how that happened. How did that happen? <laughs> I held a lot of resentment about this seemingly unimportant thing. You see, to me, it was, far, it was about far more than convenience, but actually feeling separated from my belongings. I convinced myself, this is, I'm, I'm sharing with you my rationalization. I convinced myself that it was okay to be offended. I rationalized that I had every right to be. It's unfortunate, but the greatest opportunity for conflict within relationship is with those who know you best and with those who you've shared your heart with. I remember when we got married thinking that life was going to be a breeze. <laughs> Some of you laugh or even snicker at the naivety of it, but that's the expectation that we both went into marriage with. We'd been through pre-marriage counseling, figured out our expectations, wrote them down, signed on the dotted line. Everything was clear. The problem was, I assumed I knew what it took to be married because of witnessing successful marriages. You see, all around me were people, from my standpoint, that did marriage well that did marriage really well, ones that I hoped to be like, married for years, happy, 
here's what no one tells you. Here's what no one tells you. Anger within your heart, unresolved conflict in your relationships can make it impossible to truly love someone. Married or not, there's a reality that there's a progression of offense. You are under attack. Your relationships are under attack. It's possible for you to be doing something on the outside, but on the inside experiencing the exact opposite. I tried to not worry about the closet space, but on the inside was battling feeling offended. Let me give you a visual. Some of you this morning encountered conflict on your way here, maybe even last night, last week, maybe on Friday, finishing work with your boss. Some of you have been all too familiar with what it's like to be offended, or maybe even have caused the offense. Mitch and Michaela, I'll ask if you guys can come up. Now, I, like I said, I did, did tell them about this, that I need their help. For those of you who don't know, they just got married, and it's super exciting. Let's give them a big round of applause. <laughs> Woo! Two of our close friends, we love them. We missed you guys. We were gone. They just came back from their honeymoon. They went to Kelowna. That's right. And uh, we had a chance to hang out on Friday. You guys can come on this side here. We had a chance to hang out on Friday and catch up all about their trip. It was awesome. So, guys, I'll get Mitch, I'll get you to stand up here. Michaela, I'll get you to come stand on this corner here. Yeah, perfect, just there, yeah. So there's something that happens in relationship, okay? So I'm, I'm going to use this example to show you what this is like. Now, Mitch, I'm going to get you to hold on to that, okay? All right, what's it feel like? Uh, feels like a wooden board. Okay, very good, yeah, it is a wooden board, okay? Okay, it's a fence board. Michaela, I'll get you to hold on to that. Now, something, something happens, okay, in relationship. Now, Mitch... You're feeling kind of undervalued. You know, you've come home from a long day. All you really wanted was just, you know, be wrapped up in a big hug and told, man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're my everything, right? I tell you that all the time. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, but, but let's pretend, okay, you come home and that's what you were really looking forward to. You needed that, okay? You come home and, and Michaela doesn't know that, but, but you feel offended, okay? And you kinda, it doesn't really start as much. And you, you kind of just like, it kind of starts as something little right? But the more and more you think about it, it kind of really gets down in there and really just gets planted deep. It becomes kind of like that. Michaela, you come home from a long day of work. You're hungry. All you wanted was a nice dinner just to be thought of how you've been cooking dinner all week and all you wanted was just a meal ready, nice and warm, and just some thought, maybe laundry cleaned up, maybe something done, right? You come home and it hasn't been done. And, and you really don't want to be offended, but this is like the fourth week in a row this has happened, okay? <laughs> no, it never happened, yeah. <laughs> okay? And, and so what happens is, is, is as, as you kind of, you know, go your week by week by week, you, you start to kind of not really let it bug you. You're like, you don't, you don't want to cause too much of a problem and it doesn't really bug you too much, but something happens. So the weeks go on, you continue your marriage. How long have you guys been married now? Two weeks. Nice. Two months. <laughs> like two weeks. Wow, that was fast. Okay, something happens in your relationship, and you, you, it, it, you, as you continue on in your relationship, things become, you know, more important. It's easier to get offended, like things like closet space and things like that, right? So, so Mitch, you, you know, you really just wanted more closet space, and Michaela wouldn't give it to you, so... Okay, so you're stuck. You don't have the closet space you wanted, and you didn't think it was creating an issue, but it, it started creating an issue, and so and so on, Mitch, you, 
you had a, a bad day at work and that, you came home and that really affected how you treated Michaela and you felt offended about something that she did the other day, didn't notice that you did something nice for her and pretty soon it gets deep and down in there and then it starts to end up like that. And your marriage continues, your relationship goes on and on and on and on and it's easy for things to get in the way. See, the things that occur, the offense that takes place, end up creating physical separation, an, an actual separation between the two of them. It wasn't one or the other. It was both. We, we get offended so quickly. If you could hear what's happening in, in, in the hearts of people, in your heart, in, in, in situations like this where you were hurt, See, it starts small, but one offense at a time, the enemy uses each and every one of them to create a fence, to create a fence between the two of you, between the person that you care for most, to create distance, damage, and destruction. Matthew 5, 25, 26 goes on. Jesus says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. If we don't deal with the little things, if we don't settle matters quickly, we are going to find ourselves bound and imprisoned by the things we refuse to deal with. Each and every one of these are, are small, insignificant things. But the more and more and more and more and more and more that it occurs in your life, you become bound by it and separated, separated from those that you love and care about. We cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. We can control how we respond to it. So why are we justified in hurting and separating ourselves from those we care for most? What personally offends you in the relationships around you does not give you the right to find satisfaction in separation. Mitch and Michaela, whatever happens in your relationship, in your marriage, does not give you the right to find satisfaction in the possibility of separation. Let me be the one to tell you that. It's off the table. Do not find satisfaction in that ever. We can't control what happens to us but we can control how we respond to it. Some of you, you guys can grab a seat. Thank you so much for giving them a big round of applause, you guys. Some of you are holding on to fence boards. You're holding on. Okay, you've been wounded, hurt, maybe even justifiably so, but listen to me. The enemy wants to convince you that division is normal. The enemy wants to convince you that division is normal. His tactic is offense. I said it earlier, but your singleness may be the reason you're facing difficulty in relationship with others. See, it's possible, it's possible that offense is what's preventing you from experiencing real love in your relationships, in your life. You've got to learn to let it go. 
tear it down, break down the offense. Jesus says, this won't be on the screen, but in Matthew 5, in this section of Scripture, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. You can't even properly connect with God if you've got this kind of offense in your life. What kind of examples are we setting? Are you setting as a Christian if you keep constructing fences? Guys, I mess up all of the time. I am not a perfect husband, not even close. If it wasn't for Elisa's forgiveness, we would never make it. We have, haven't been married for an extremely long time, but honestly, we've learned some really important things. So much of what we've learned applies to marriage and, and our relationship specifically, but it also bleeds over, and it applies to our work relationships, our families, even our friend circles. The same truth applies. There's no point in keeping score. As a matter of fact, keeping score ensures no one wins. Don't keep a record of wrongs. We try our best to resolve things as they occur, try to make forgiveness a foundation of our relationships. My question is this, is how can you receive what God has for you if you're always preparing to be offended? If you've always got a hold of a fence board, how can you be prepared if your hands are full? As a Christian, you got to go out and seek reconciliation. When we read the scripture, when you don't drop the stuff, drop the offense, listen, sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. Maybe the person's passed away. Maybe the person isn't willing. But release from that which binds you is always possible. That's your choice. That's on you. And to be honest, speaks a lot about where you put God in your life. Who are you in relationships around you that is pushing you toward your purpose in life? Who are you in your relationships around you that's pushing you toward your purpose in life? Philippians 2, 13 to 15 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. When it comes to your dating relationships, marriages, work, friends, peers, you have the power to do what pleases God. When, when you invite God into the situation, he'll give you the desire to do it right. That's powerful. But it doesn't stop there. He gives you the desire to do it right, and then what? He'll give you the means to complete the task. The means to complete the task. There are many of us walking through life frustrated, wondering why we're hurt, wondering why life isn't going the way we want it to. Listen. Listen to this. Offense is an event. Remaining offended is a decision. Offense is an event that occurs. Remaining offended is a decision. 
You have the choice. You have the choice. Offense is an event. Remaining offended is a decision. If only there was someone who had every right, who had every right to be offended, that could show us what to do, right? If only there was someone. Right? Only there was someone who showed us, who had every right to be offended. Wow. Offense is an event, but remaining offended, offended is a choice. It's a choice. You don't have to live that way. Jesus set the perfect example when he showed us exactly how to live free of offense. This is the way. This is the way of true love and relationship is the cross. Matthew 18, 15 says, if another believer sins against you, go. And then it goes on. It lists some things. But as a follower of Christ, Jesus is telling us that it is our responsibility to break down the offense. See, the first section of that, Matthew 18, 15, if another believer sins against you, go. Go. See, it's our responsibility to use the tools he's given us to tear away at the conflict that is holding us back from being right with others and ultimately right with God. He used our sinfulness, yours and mine, and by dying on the cross for our sin and shame, became the perfect example of what living a life without offense looks like. Jesus is the perfect tool to bring ultimate restoration to our lives. Perfect. I'm going to invite the band to come up. The bottom line is this. You cannot be wrong with others and be right with God. You cannot be wrong with others and be right with God. When, when we've got conflict in our relationships, we've got to handle it. Not temporarily, not later, now and forever. Now. But, I shared in that beginning of scripture, if another believer sins against you, go, go immediately. Go immediately. Don't waste time. The longer, the, the longer you wait, the more excuses you create. Put that on your fridge, right? Go directly. Go directly. When you have a problem with a friend, the first person you talk to about it is probably not that person, right? Jesus is saying, don't talk about that person. Go talk to that person. Prevent the offense. Prevent it. Cut it off. Finally, go humbly. Don't go pretending you've got it all together. Don't go expecting to give them a piece of your mind. Go humbly, willing to admit your shortcomings. There are so many of us, even here today, that are connected with God the way that he wants to connect with you. There are so many of you that are doing that well. But there are also so many of you here today that are not, that are not connected with God the way he wants to connect with you. You keep praying and hoping for things to change, but haven't yet realized that you cannot be right with God and be wrong with others. He wants to be right with you. He wants to be right with you so badly to clear up any conflict, the, the sin, to literally break down the offenses so that nothing comes between you and him any further. 
but you can't receive from him if you're too busy putting up fences. The question came to my mind as I was closing out this message. Who does unforgiveness hurt? It actually hurts God's heart. It also hurts the person who's not forgiving. (laughs) If we live this way, we continue to let the wounds stay infected and poison our own soul. Some of you could be living in what Stephen Furtick called, I love this, he called it a prison of offense. Forgiveness, church, is the key. Forgiveness is the key. Some people who really struggle with forgiveness, it's hard, it's difficult to know where to start, and that's okay. Sometimes it happens slowly. It doesn't have to happen all at once. Pastor Peter and I were discussing this concept in my office, and he mentioned that Pastor Greg spoke a message in the past. Peace by peace is what he said, guys. It took a minute for me to figure it out. See, you'll discover real peace, real peace, restoration, reconciliation, Peace by peace. As you dismantle these fences in your life, dismantle each piece one at a time. Piece by piece. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't have to worry about tearing down the whole fence right away. Piece by piece, one at a time. You've heard it said, this is in Matthew 5, 43 to 44. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus was speaking. He was speaking into a culture that believed an eye for an eye, a life for a life. Do you know how shocking that scripture would have been? you know how shocking those words would have been to people who were living in a culture where if you offended me, if you took a life... If you lost a life, you took a life. If you lost an eye, you took an eye. It's just a constant game of back and forth and back and forth. And he's saying, no, love love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Church, start by praying. Start by praying. Today, start by praying for the ones that hurt you, that offended you. Your prayer may or may not change others, but it always changes you. So just ask everybody to close your eyes. I want you to just take a minute. Kim, if you could play for us. I want you to just take a moment to just consider the fact that maybe there's a fence in your life right now. Maybe there's something going on in your heart, something going on in the inside that doesn't match what's happening on the outside. And you've been looking for opportunities, you've been looking for chances to make it right, and it just doesn't seem to come. Maybe you're here this morning and this message really hurts. Maybe you're here today and you just need to know that it's okay for it to take time. Allow 
your mind to just think and focus in on an area in your life that you can start to dismantle piece by piece. And just ask that you put your hands out in front of you. If you're if you want to do that this morning, I just ask, would you just open your hands? Just, just open your hands as a, as a way to just visually show that my hands are empty. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive what it is that you have for me, Father. I don't have the key to each and everything in my life. I don't have the, the answer to each and everything going on, the offense happening in your life, the relationships that have been hurt or maybe you've been wounded. But there's a moment today that you can release one piece at a time. God, I pray over these people today. I pray that you would give us the ability to recognize, open our eyes, open our eyes to the idea that, God, you sent your son, Jesus, to live a life who had every right to be offended. Yet he remained pure. He remained perfect. He chose to not be offended so that you and I could have life. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here today. I pray with an excitement. I pray with just such encouragement over them today that they can just start today. They can start in this moment. They can release one thing at a time and see their lives drastically changed. So, Father, today I just ask that you be with them, that you lead and guide them, that you encourage them to tear down the fences in their lives. Amen. Amen. Church, this is an exciting process that we get to go on together. And if I've personally offended you, please come and talk to me. My door is always open. So there's no excuse there. I love you guys so much. We're going to have Sunday fun day today, and it's going to be a blast. I'm going to share with you a few details about that. But we just thought as, as a youth team and, and myself together, we were just discussing and saying, we got to end on a fun song. Because this part, th this part that happens now as we take a step and we go out from here is what's really exciting. It's because for some of you, you've made a choice to let go today. And so we're going to sing about that. We're going to dance about that. We're going to talk about how there's one way. And Jesus is that way. So would you guys stand with us as we sing together?